2: Welcome back to another episode of the Packaday Podcast. You can get all your Packaday updates by following us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. And remember, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can check us out over at CheeseHeadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am here, as always, with Andrew Mertig. Andrew, welcome. It is good to be back for another Friday edition of the Packaday Podcast.
3: Yeah, it is really great to be back. It's Friday the 13th, so I don't know if that's lucky or unlucky, but the podcast is now officially over 500 episodes. We got Packers Bears week, and there is an absolute ton to discuss about this Green Bay Packers team. But before we get started, I wanted to take one more chance to gloat about my fantasy football win over Steve Perhatch this week. Is that the whole gloat? That's it, yeah. I beat
2: okay, him. congrats, man. That's awesome. More
3: accurately, the fake team that I have assembled of football players who are real beat his team of also real football players on his fake team. That's very well said. I appreciate your clarifying that. But
2: um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but since you beat Steve, I'm pretty sure that makes
3: him second banana. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely it does. But that is assuming that Steve and the Thursday team weren't already the second banana. (laughs) And since it is Bears week, that reminds me of something, Kyle. Our episode in September, Breaking Down the Bears Win, was the most listened to episode in Pack-A-Day history. So I guess we know who the real A-team is or Top Banana or something else that somebody might say. (laughs) that's that's pretty we are the most (laughs) stuffed of the oreos
2: (laughs) i we're just getting off to a very most stuffing Incredible start, uh, full of gloating uh, uh, tonight, but um, I guess I'll just say good luck to you in your round this weekend that you have coming up in your fantasy playoffs, Um, and to all of our listeners who are still lucky enough and skilled enough, I guess, let's give a little bit of credit here, uh, to be playing in your fantasy playoffs, that's a big deal, so we wish all of you the best of luck, Uh, but speaking of those Bears, Andrew and I are here today For another round of key matchups and X-Factors because we want to see what big matchups and what individual players are going to play a really big role in determining the outcome of this Sunday's week 15 divisional matchup with those rival Chicago Bears. So let's start on offense, Andrew. Uh, What matchup is going to have your attention when the Packers have the football on Sunday?
3: Yeah, I'm going to go with the uh, Packers tight ends versus the Bears inside linebackers. Roquan Smith was placed on injury reserve, and while he was certainly having a kind of disappointing sophomore season, his loss is felt in a big way. And then you have Danny Cheapshot Shot Trevathan is injured, and he's probably not going to be able to go on Sunday. Um, and that's going to leave Kevin Pierre-Lewis and Nick Kwiatkowski to try to slow down the middle of the field. And I think a lot of the Bears' attention is going to be focused on stopping Aaron Jones out of the backfield in the passing game, so that's going to open up some space for Jimmy Graham, Mercedes Lewis, uh, Big Bob Tanyan, and Jay Sternberger. Graham was getting used early and often against the Washington footballers, and he seemed to Disappear along with the rest of the offense after the first quarter. So reestablishing the passing game over the middle of the field, getting those tight ends involved, that's really going to help to open things up on the outside, which I think they're going to have to do. Side note, it's funny because, you know, I was thinking about Kevin Pierre-Lewis and Nick Kwiatkowski, and I think the Bears' backup inside linebackers may actually be better than the Packers' Darters. Oh, that's a hot take. I don't know. Um, yeah, we've, we've had
2: plenty of things to say about Blake Martinez on this podcast before. I do think that he'll play a big role in this game on Sunday with uh, containing um, one Mitch Trubisky, which we'll get into in just a minute here. Uh, but I completely agree that the absence of the Bears linebackers is going to play a big factor in this game. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more here in just a second. But for me, on the offensive side of things, And what I think is almost cliche at this point because of how much attention we give to Khalil Mack and his trade and what could have happened. Uh, But I once again am going to be watching to see how Brian Balaga and David Bakhtiari hold up against Mack and Leonard Floyd. I hope the Packers plan to get the ball out early in this game. Uh, As Andrew said, I think that makes even more sense with the Bears being without Roquan Smith. Uh, They should be able to hit those tight ends and running backs quickly and a little easier than normal even with Roquan out. Uh, But if Balaga and Bakhtiari can have really good games at tackle, I think it really opens up the playbook and will allow Aaron Rodgers to exploit really a Chicago secondary that has struggled at times this season. In fact, HaHa Clinton-Dix is the highest graded member of that secondary. Now, pro football focus has always been a little infatuated with HaHa, so take that with a grain of salt. Uh, But the point remains that there are matchups in the secondary that Rodgers should be able to exploit, but that's all depending on having the time. And so I'll be watching numbers 75 and 69 to see if
3: they can give him the time that he needs on Sunday. Yeah, and we know that edge pressure was a really, really major problem for Green Bay last year, but i maybe even a little bit more concerned about the pressure up the middle because it looks like Akeem Hicks is gonna make his return and you combine that with Eddie Goldman and Roy Robertson Harris, the Bears can give teams fits up front against both the the run and the pass. And that's, you know, the defensive line and, and edge rushers combined. Yeah, you're completely right. The Bears' pass rush,
2: whether it's been on the edge or from the interior, is really what has saved their underperforming secondary many times this season. So uh, we need big games from the offensive line in general this
3: week. I'm going to ask you something that seems totally like the craziest question you've ever heard, but but I actually <laughs> mean this right now. Okay. Today, would you rather have Khalil Mack or Zadarius Smith? I was actually – this is so crazy that you said this because I was just
2: thinking about this earlier today and the exact question because, you know, like we talk about Khalil Mack and what could have happened and uh, we thought it was going to happen and then it didn't happen and um, obviously the Packers play – they paid plenty for Zedarius Smith, right? But no one right now is going to say that Zedarius is not living up to that contract. It's worth every single penny. And the interesting thing is the Packers didn't have to give up any trade capital to get him. And so I guess like I'm, I haven't watched maybe more than just a handful of bears games other than the one that the Packers obviously played at the beginning of the season, but I would myself go out on a limb and say, I would rather have Zedarius Smith myself at the price point and not giving up the draft capital than Mr. Khalil Mack. But I'm curious your take on this situation, Andrew, what do you
3: think? Well, just flashed into my head as I was thinking about it, because, you know, we, we dwelled on the, the, what ifs all last season, like what if the Packers had made that move? And then of course they would not have had the money to go out and they probably wouldn't have gotten either Smith's right. Because I, I don't know how they would have had the capacity to do that. And of course the draft capital that would have cost them. And, Honestly, even, even just apples-to-apples apples comparison, not thinking about draft picks, not thinking about the, the cost differential that Khalil Mac has, I think Zedaria Smith's been more impactful than Mac has this year. I, I don't know why that is. Um, I don't know if Khalil Mack's a little dinged up. I know at times he's looked maybe a little out of shape, and sometimes that, that can can be a, a part of an injury. Uh, players look a little rough, and there's oftentimes you know little dings and and other things that go undisclosed throughout the course of the season. But, yeah, certainly Z has been an incredible value, and in not having to uh, give up the multiple draft picks has been a real key to, to turn around this defense. And I really do think that
2: a big piece of this has to be the draft capital conversation. And correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think we're talking about um we're talking about real players now we're talking about you know like we talk about otk two first round picks but then you're talking about uh gary and you're talking about darnell savage right like that's who we're talking about essentially giving up and so i would say those are two young players we don't know what they're going to be in their career yet Uh, but i would say i'd rather take the upside on both of those young guys paired with zadarius smith against cleo mac every single time i'd be really excited about that
3: yeah, and it's certainly a tale of caution, right? We we talked about it. The Bears swung for the fences last year and they came up short. That you know it, it was they were a field goal away from playing for a NFC championship and moving on, and you know potentially even you know making it to a Super Bowl. And they they pushed all their chips to the middle of the table. And now this year they come back. They didn't. They weren't able to address depth as much this year because of a lack of draft capital and a lack of cap space, and now they are struggling. And you look into this offseason, they're going to have a hard time clearing up enough cap room to make any significant changes. They don't have a first-round pick. And so, you know, where where are they going to go from here? So sometimes you make those bold moves and they don't work out if you come up a little bit short in a a playoff game. Absolutely, and what's
2: really interesting is fans – often really give their general managers and their teams a hard time uh, for backing out of free agency conversations and trade conversations because of the price and the price gets too high right that's like where we were at um, with Landon collins and those kinds of things where at some point it just isn't worth making that move and so fans get frustrated and fans are like oh we should have like you know done everything we can to get khalil Mack." and it sounds like maybe the packers didn't even do that it sounds like kind of oakland may have made that decision Uh, For this Cleo Mac deal and decided that that they thought you know those Bears picks would be more valuable So it may not have been in the situation here But I think it speaks to that value of knowing when you should back out of a deal and knowing how that may hurt you in the future So it looks like maybe this time the Packers may have gotten lucky Uh, You can never see into the future, but it seems like the Packers may have gotten the better end of this deal
3: Yeah um, but now we're going to switch over to the defense. So I'm going to talk about my matchup uh, that certainly is going to garner my attention when Green Bay is on defense, and that is Mitch Trubisky's legs against the Packers' contain and that is going to be super critical for the Packers' pass rushers to maintain discipline when rushing the passer. I'm not super concerned about the passing game, but Trubisky can extend drives with his legs if he's given that opportunity, and getting the Bears' offense off the field is going to be critical because I really think... Points will be at a premium on Sunday. One one of the more underrated aspects of the Packers defense is the ability of the edge rushers to get home without having to get outside the rush lane. And I've harped on this kind of all season, but that's why having big, powerful pass rushers like the Smiths and Rashawn Gary really pays off because they're going to be able to press the tackle and build their pass rush moves off of that instead of having to dip outside to set their counter up and then potentially losing contain, which I typically call the Clay Matthews special. There, There's just as much responsibility on Lowry and Clark and company to push the pocket and make Trubisky feel the pressure in his face, but it's going to be really important for all four or five pass rushers to have a similar game plan. And, you know, given their struggles this past week, of course, heaping praise on the 49ers seems a little silly, but their their big four pass rushers have talked about this incessantly. It is really key that they all have the same game plan in mind and that nobody gets selfish and gets outside of the scheme. And the Packers have really been able to do that at least up front So far, and that is going to be incredibly important against Mitch Trubisky this week.
2: Yeah, that's a really good point. And this is one of those. It's a big one that we'll have to keep an eye on that will have a big impact in this game. Um, And it's exactly what I was thinking about when I was watching the Bears against the Cowboys last week. The Bears have to know that Trubisky's arm isn't really that consistent threat, but his ability to find extra yards with his legs Um, It really did extend a lot of drives in that Dallas game. And so I'm curious what personnel Green Bay is going to be willing to commit to using to spy Trubisky even and how they adjust uh, that part of, uh, you know, their defense to match this part of his game because it's a big piece that they're going to have to account for. Uh, But if I'm being honest, there's not a lot about the Chicago offense that scares me a whole lot. And I don't really mean that just to slam Mr. Bisky, but across the board, there's not a ton of talent that makes you really, really nervous like some other teams in the league. But I'm going to pick the one position where I do think the matchup is going to be really interesting to watch. And that's the Packers cornerbacks versus one, Alan Lazard. Okay. Um, because Alan Robinson, we, I think you mean. <laughs> I guess I should talk about their players and not ours. Yeah. Alan Robinson. Uh you're right, sir, because we've talked about, you know, this Mr. Biscay thing and his arm is a limitation, um, but he has just taken the advantage the last couple of weeks to really uh, force the ball to Allen Robinson. And we've seen him play a little bit better the last couple of weeks, Mr. Biscay. But if you watch the games, He's been forcing the ball, and I would just think that over the next couple weeks, if he continues to do that, that Jair Alexander uh, could be a guy who could find himself on the receiving end of one of those balls that's forced to Allen Robinson. Um, So I would think that you'd get that Jair Alexander and Allen Robinson matchup, uh, but I also think that Kevin King, if he's ready and come back from this injury, could be a matchup that we'd like with Robinson with that size profile. Uh, So I would really like to see Jair Alexander have a great week this week. And I do think uh, that Mitch Trubisky might just give him an opportunity with all those force balls to Robinson to make a play this week.
3: Yeah, and I think there's a possibility of the two things that we just mentioned building into each other. If If Mitchell is able to move linebackers up by sliding in the pocket or with the threat of running, then he could get some completions behind those players. But even with Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller, the Bears haven't shown an ability to get their wide receivers open. So it is going to be crucial for the Packers to continue their dominance against the team that was only able to score three points in week one. But those are
2: our key matchups, and we'll be paying attention to those this week. Uh, So let's talk about some X-Factor players. These are the players that we think can play a surprisingly big role for the Packers on Sunday. Andrew, who is your X-Factor selection going to be this
3: week? Ooh, I am really, really tempted to pick J.K. Scott since he played such a massive role in the Week 1 game. Uh, But they're calling for 15-degree weather and punting a frozen football in Lambeau Field with potentially some wind. I don't know that I'm super confident that any punter is going to be able to have a massive game. So I'm going to go with a different specialist. Uh, Tyler Swervin-Irvin. Got fans really excited with some actual (laughs) positive, positive returns. I think, you know, field position, it's going to be really important. I said, I think points are going to be at a premium. And I I think Irvin makes at least one kick or punt return that's going to flip field position. And he's going to be a really impactful player in this game. And, And I think he's going to have a really impactful moment in this game.
2: I would love to see that. It really was fun to watch him last week uh, get out there. And like you said, it didn't take much. It was just a little bit of positive uh, for fans to be pretty excited about an improvement there um, from the return game.
3: It was great because there were like at least five of us who were making like incredibly passive aggressive like Unbelievable. I can't believe what just happened when he had like an 8 yard return. <laughs> it, it was, we, we exploded in uh, just pure joy and elation. It, it was incredible. That's great.
2: I mean, we as a fan base are excited uh, to celebrate. We we may complain when the Packers win 10 games in a season, but we will celebrate when a returner
3: gets a measly five yards on a punt return. We'll, t- we'll take that. Yeah. I think I said passive aggressive. I meant sarcastic, but you know, whatever. It is. It's all. It's not the like same. anybody's yeah. anybody's paying attention to my language on here. No, not at all.
2: Not not at all. even a little bit. So, I want to talk about my pick for our X Factor this week. And there's a lot of different directions I thought about going here. I thought about going with Alan Lazard. Um, apparently, I just really wanted to talk about Alan Lazard in this episode. So, uh, But I'm not going to go with him because we've talked about him a lot. And I talked about you know, Savage a couple weeks ago, and so I don't want to go uh, with him, even though I think that he could have a big impact on this game. I think he could have some opportunities with Mitch Trubisky maybe having some overthrows in this game, uh, force a turnover for us. Uh, but we talked about him a lot. So I'm going to pick... Mason Crosby, and he talked about the wind, right? We're supposed to have some dicey weather on Sunday. And so I think it's time that we give Mason Crosby some credit because I think that this is a game that he's going to be able uh, to play really well for us. He's played well all season. He's made 94% of his kicks in 2019, uh, which is a career high for him in percentage. He hasn't m- missed an extra point. And so in a game that I expect to include a lot of field goal attempts from both teams, I expect Mason Crosby to be an X factor because I think he's going to make a lot of those attempts and I think he'll continue his rock solid season. So I'm going to give one uh, to Mason Crosby here and say he's going to be the X factor.
3: Yeah. Do you, do you have any inclination that the bears kicker might be an X factor?
2: I just, I typically think that the bears kicker is going to be an X factor in
3: our favor. That's just kind of like what well, I assume, but that that was the insinuation, but uh, okay. So, so we got our <laughs> offensive picks, we got our defensive picks. We got our X factors. Um, why don't we talk a little bit about some some hot topics? And I, I know from listening, some of the other hosts of, of the podcast have talked about them. You know, Packers Twitter and um, you know, really the blogosphere has has covered a lot of these things. But I just wanted to get your take a little bit. Obviously, the Odell Beckham news came out, and Devonte Adams made a comment on his Instagram post. And so, any thoughts on Odell Beckham?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I think that this personally and I'm just speaking, you know, and I know that sometimes when it comes to free agency acquisitions and those big moves, I can be kind of a um, I don't know, I can be kind of depressing when it comes to talking about these things, because I just think sometimes we get way too excited about these big moves that probably aren't going to happen. But sometimes it's just fun to talk about those things, even though they may not be super realistic. I do think that Odell wants out of Cleveland. I don't know that Green Bay is going to be a great home for him. Uh, But Devontae Adams has weighed in on the conversation. And I think that just, you know, that speaks volumes of of a couple things. First, I think it speaks volumes to the fact that Devontae Adams is willing to say he needs a running mate. He needs somebody else that's going to take a little bit of attention away from him. And I think that that could be part of his struggle this year. We have obviously noted that he's got the injuries and that's going to, you know, just kind of derail him and his, his normal progression throughout the season. But I do think that Devontae Adams would love Love, love to have somebody else who could take a little bit of attention away from him. And I think it also speaks to the fact that maybe the other receivers on this team know that they're not wide receiver, too. I uh, think Al- Alan Lazard has had a great season, but Devontae Adams uh, may not stick You know, uh, that out there and say, hey, like I need somebody else here You know, if he thought Alan Lazard was that number two. So just interesting factors. I don't think Odell ends up in Green Bay, uh, but I think it speaks more to the situation in general.
3: No, and it's interesting because obviously Odell Beckham Jr., you know, if, if you look at the 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 point he's at in his career um, and if you look at his career in totality, I mean, he's had one of the best starts to his career of any receiver ever. And um, he, he's certainly a fantastic playmaker. I think a lot of the off the field stuff is just totally overblown with him. I mean, there, there's a few instances that are kind of concerning, but for the most part. I think it's just a lot of, like, him drawing attention to himself and people not being comfortable with that. And, um, you know, he, he would be a, a great running mate with Devonte. you know, that true 1A, 1B. But I was trying to think back in, you know, kind of recent NFL history and times when teams had multiple Superstar wide receivers, and it's it's really hard to come up with examples of those, Um, and it's it's especially hard to come up with examples of teams that have been wildly successful doing that. I mean, you you can go back to, you know, uh, the Patriot teams that had Randy Moss and Wes Welker. I don't know if you would call Wes Welker a superstar. Both of them were incredibly productive during that time. You have the Falcons with Roddy White and Julio Jones, but. It's hard to come up with these examples because most teams don't want to pay two megastar wide receivers at the same time because it does terrible things to your salary cap. For the Packers, they just simply couldn't afford to bring Odell Beckham in his current contract from the Browns. And even if the Browns decided to do something completely ridiculous like cut him, which they would never do, <laughs> I don't know why he would settle for a lesser contract just to come to Green Bay. Like that, 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 to me, doesn't make any sense. Um, let's say the Packers wanted to trade for him and they were willing to let Balaga walk and you know whatever else they would have to do to fit him under the cap. That sounds great, but they would probably have to give up at least a first-round pick, you would think. And that first-round pick could be somebody like you know LaVisca Chenault, for instance. And I know we're not taking a deep dive into the draft at this time of the year, but uh, I, there are so many receivers in this draft who could be big time playmakers or at least contribute. And and you look at what AJ Brown is starting to do in Tennessee and there's plenty of receivers in this year's draft who can be as impactful or more impactful than he is being. And if he was in green Bay right now, we wouldn't be having these conversations about a number two wide receiver. And I, I'm not saying that they should have drafted him, but you know, to give up that draft pick, to go get a player who is going to really hurt your salary cap situation when you could have a cost affordable player in their place that that could be, you know, they're they're not gonna be Odell Beckham in year one, but uh, you know, could be a very productive player and and really a true number two. I, I love this year's wide receiver class and to me it's it's not worth going out and trying to get somebody in free agency or trade.
2: Yeah, I think you hit on a lot of really important things there when it comes to addressing this wide receiver position that obviously is one that they will have to address in the offseason. But I mean, I think just the roster building aspect of this is really important. And as you were talking, i pulled up uh, over the cap just to kind of see the numbers and Odell's cap number next year is over 14 million and it's over 15 it's almost 16 million in 2021 and so I just think that this is a situation obviously those numbers get reworked if you're traded and those kinds of things on uh, new contracts or whatever but we're talking you're saying those wide receivers coming out in the draft are not going to be Odell Beckham year one this is true But they're also saying that this class has the potential to be one of the best wide receiver classes in the last decade or maybe too. So I just think that if you have the chance, maybe you throw an extra third round pick and attach it to your first round pick and you go up and get the guy that you want to be on your team and be that impact wide receiver. And you pay them a fraction of what you would pay a player like Odell Beckham. um, And, and you just kind of go that way. So I think this will be a position that we see the Packers address. I highly doubt it's going to be a player like Odell or a situation like Odell that, that lets us get there.
3: Yeah. And, uh, You had made a note that yesterday was the last day to vote in the Pro Bowl, so I'm assuming he wanted to talk about the Pro Bowl, so I will let you talk about the Pro Bowl. Do you like the Pro Bowl, Andrew? I don't. I hate it. (laughs) I despise it. I think it's garbage, but I want want to hear your take here.
2: Uh, I also never watch the Pro Bowl. I tried the last couple years. I turn it on. I never make it more than, like, 10 minutes and then I'm just like I can't do it anymore first because if there's a player in playing in it like Devonte Adams I'm just petrified that he's going to get hurt and I just can't do it but then I also can't stand the fact that no one actually touches anybody else and I just like it doesn't it doesn't work so uh, no one's going to tackle anybody in that game so um, but we do like the honors of the Pro Bowl right we like to see Players from the Packers get uh, recognized for their efforts on the field. And so let's talk a little bit. I'd like to talk a little bit about who actually deserves to be a Pro Bowl player this year. Um, I'm going to toss out a couple here. All right, let's start on defense. Um, I think the Smiths, both of them, I think Preston and Zedarius, we've got two, right? Uh, they both more than deserve to be Pro Bowl players. Um I think Kenny Clark deserves to be a pro bowl player. That's three for me on defense. Anybody else on defense, Andrew, that you can think of that deserves to be a pro bowl player this year
3: deserves. No, I think Jair Alexander has a chance because I think he's built a reputation. Um, he's had some really, really strong performances and also some kind of questionable performances. And I think he has an outside, outside chance. If I was going to bet, I would say no, but, um, you know, I, I, those three were the three that really stuck out to me.
2: Okay, okay, so those are the three on, on defense uh, that we say for sure, and then maybe some some maybes there. Uh, what about on offense, Andrew? Is there anybody on offense that you feel like definitely deserves that nod this year?
3: I would think Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, David Bakhtiari, and maybe Balaga um, would be pro bowlers, kind of set set in stone maybe well maybe not Balaga Balaga is a little bit you know maybe a 75 percent chance I actually think Elton Jenkins has a pretty good shot as well Um, the the other thing to consider the NFC is much more top heavy than we're used to seeing out of conferences and so you have teams like the Saints you have teams like the 49ers you have teams like the Vikings and who am I missing uh, do, 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 do. The, Seahawks. the Seahawks. The Seahawks. Yeah. Oh right my gosh, right. what's going there on? Go. Man? I knew it wasn't in the NFC East, <laughs> was, so I had to we go, crossed go off five, like... four teams really easily there. Yeah. <laughs> but but you know you think of the rosters of the five teams, including the Packers, that are at the top of the NFC, and oh my gosh, there's a lot of star power. So you may see some players not nominated. And of course, one of those teams is going to go to the Super Bowl, and none of their players are going to play, and like half the players. Back out of the Pro Bowl, anyway. So, yeah. Who do you think on offense? Yeah,
2: I'm as big of a Devonte Adams fan as anybody, uh, but I do wonder if this year with the injury and his lack of production in that offense, if he, if there's enough pull for other guys around the league that he may get left off this list. Um, Aaron Rodgers. This is a popular popularity contest. Obviously, I don't know if Aaron Rodgers gets a nod just because he's Aaron Rodgers. I don't think Aaron Rodgers has had a bad season. I just think it's been. Um, he's surrounded by other guys who have put up really, really good numbers. Um, And I think that this could be a year we see him maybe not get that nod. Um, You mentioned Elton Jenkins. I do think that he's probably deserving of this. I don't know that his name is going to be well enough known uh, at this point in his career to maybe get that vote from around the league in addition to Packers fans. But no, I don't think anybody else other than Aaron Jones is an obvious one. I don't think any of the tight ends. I think David Bakhtiari and Balaga both deserve it. I think uh, Bakhtiari, especially in pass pro, has shown his value. Um, interesting, I don't think Bakhtiari has been to the Pro Bowl in three three years. This is off the top of my head. Um, but I know he's been, he's been there, but I think he's been a, a replacement for someone who was injured or in the Super Bowl or something. I expected one of his prior years that was better than this year uh, to be one of those that got him into... Uh, this Pro Bowl game, and so I don't know if he'll get it this year. That's interesting. Uh, I saw that, you know, earlier. So in recent history, 2018, Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers were the only two players uh, who made the Pro Bowl at the initial vote, and then 2017, Devontae Adams and Mike Daniels were the only two who made it on the initial vote. So if the Packers did get this big of a group in that we've talked about, it would be quite um, quite a change in, in recent history to get that many players into the Pro Bowl.
3: Yeah, and uh, that's kind of all the time we have for today. I'm really, really excited about... The Chicago Bears game not only because it's going to be an awesome game and you know it's Lambo Field and I'm going but before the game there's some talk of of a, a pretty big you know Cheesehead TV slash Packet a podcast slash some other um you know you know Packers report and, and some folks getting together so I'm really excited about that you should be super jealous Kyle I am really so jealous we're totally leaving you out <laughs> I but. will
2: uh, be stuck here in Michigan so the Packers uh the, the, I know we got to wrap this up the Packers game is like seriously on everywhere in the country it is on in two counties in the state of Michigan and I am in the county next to one of the counties uh, that that gets the game. So I've got to figure out a way to get across county lines on Sunday so that I can see this Packers Bears game.
3: Oh no! Yeah. Well, I, I you know I expect good things. We talked a little bit about how the Packers can exploit some matchups on both sides of the ball and some players we expect to, uh, you know, be X-Factors during this game. But this has been the Packer Day Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please remember to also follow at Packaday Podcast. Subscribe and rate the podcast, feel like what we're doing. Tomorrow's episode, we're going to get an update on the injury report for Sunday's game. You can catch Kyle and myself every Friday, and we will be back next week previewing the Packers' Monday night football game against the Minnesota Vikings. Thanks for listening, and as always, remember...